I'd like to invite, invite forward this morning our guest preacher, Reverend Jill Moffett. Reverend Jill is a member of our, clergy member of our Indiana Conference and a colleague of mine. I'm so excited she's here with us this morning. Uh, Jill is a part of the pastoral team. I grabbed this for her at, at uh, Noblesville First near Indianapolis. And she is a graduate of Butler University and Chandler School of Theology. Did I get that correct? Candler. Candler. That's it. Candler <laughs> School of Theology. Uh, she has a son, Xavier, who is absolutely adorable. And they also have two glowfish as pets. And I'm going to show my age here. What are glowfish? So glowfish, apparently, they're legal in California, I learned. But they're like genetically created mutated fish that actually glow in the dark okay they're very cool all right yes. wow check okay. them out at your pet store <laughs> i will have to check them out <laughs> and jill if this stand doesn't work actually we have that stand over there for you uh, vicki i'm sorry i stole your stand uh, but if we can get this up high enough for you then sure we'll get her a stand perfect okay thank you let's give a nice warm clay welcome to Reverend Jill. Good morning. We're actually going to start with a video, a little more about the song that you just heard, and an introduction to the musical Dear Evan Hansen. So I'll let the tech crew get that up and run for us. I think right now, in an unprecedented way, people are feeling isolated and stuck in their own minds. There's a loneliness problem in the world, and I think a song like You Will Be Found hits that note so hard. Ultimately, You Will Be Found is that hopeful anthem that this whole show floats on. Even when the dark comes crashing through, when you need a friend to carry you, and when you're broken on the ground, you will be found. You know, you don't really act like a depressed sort of person. There are a lot of people who feel like us. Dear Evan Hansen addresses these themes that most adolescent people go through, and adult people too. <laughs> and it does it in a way that makes you feel so much less alone. I think that idea of being found or of being seen is really elemental to what it is to be a human being. This is a piece that allows people to experience that. There's a place where we don't have to feel unknown. Music is such a universally touching thing. It speaks to people. If you break down every single line, it is something that you need to hear. Every time that you call out, you're a little less alone. Even when the dark comes crashing through, when you need a friend to carry you, we've all felt those things. It reaches deep in in ways that words cannot. It's one of those songs for everybody, whether you're dealing with anxiety, feeling alone, or if you're grieving. You Will Be Found is about somebody feeling isolated, finally understanding that there's not only one person, there's quite literally an army of people who care about you. pandemic has made this realization of how much we rely on one another, how much we want to be seen by each other, how much we want to interact and hug people and be with them. Oftentimes, the moment that we're in feels like 
the only moment that will ever exist. But that's not the case. <laughs> Good morning again. My name is Jill Moffat, and I am currently on staff at Noblesville First United Methodist Church. And I want to thank you all, this congregation, and Brian, and especially the musicians here. Thank you for doing the song this morning. Love it. I am so glad to be here. A little bit of history of me and Pastor Brian is that when I was really starting to come into ministry, I was a college student at Butler, and I was on the youth staff at St. Luke's United Methodist Church, and Brian was the one who kind of led me into the ordination candidacy process when I was only 20, 21, and eventually at age 22, I was baptized by Brian, and then when I was ordained as a full elder in the United Methodist Church, Brian was one of those persons who I selected to lay hands on me at my ordination. So I told Brian it kind of came full circle. So when he called and said, we're doing a Broadway series and I'm on sabbatical, and you were the, one of the first people I thought of to call because I am a huge theater Broadway fan. And so he gave me the options of things the songs that were being selected and the musicals that you are fo focusing on. And when he said, Dear Evan Hansen, I said, that's mine. That's mine. How many have seen the show? Or the, it's a movie right now. No one? A few. Okay, a few. Well, it is coming to Indianapolis. Of course, I have tickets in April. And I have been a fan of this musical since it came out. Just knowing the songs, hearing the songs, and it's such a, a wonderful, wonderful story. And it quickly became one of my, my favorite musicals when a friend introduced it to me years ago. And at the time that I first heard of the story and the songs, I was newly divorced. I was parenting a very challenging child. And I was feeling sad and frustrated. And the message of Dear Evan Hansen, the musical, is that despite whatever life throws at you, we can find the inner strength from within and from other people in our lives to carry on. As people of faith, its message is a profound and beautiful reminder that with God, we are never alone. As the show opens, we are introduced to Evan Hansen, an awkward high school student who's anxious about his first day back at school after a summer away. He has a cast on his arm, like you saw in the, the clip, because he had fallen out of a tree just weeks before. So his mom is, is telling him, why don't you go around and ask kids to sign your cast? And he's going, okay, mom, whatever, because she's trying to get him socialized. And then we meet Connor, who's a troubled teenager and angry at the world and has been in and out of recovery from drugs and alcohol. Through a series of events, Evan and Connor's lives intersect when Connor tragically takes his own life. But before this news, Evan writes a letter to himself as part of a journaling exercise. And at school, Connor steals it from him and puts it in his pocket. When Connor is found, 
the letter that Evan wrote to himself is with him. So this makes everyone think that Evan and Connor were best friends. And Connor's family finds healing in knowing that someone, in fact, knew their son not only as a troublemaker, but also as a friend and positive person in their life. However, the rest of the musical unfolds as Evan has to choose to live with this lie or not that he and Connor were best friends and what the effects of that choice are and the relationships he builds with others. And this plunges Evan into the depths of his soul where he longs to find acceptance, to be loved and seen and encounters others along the way who struggle with the same challenges. He begins to see that in one way or another, we are all connected and we need each other. In the show, the song, You Will Be Found, is sung by Evan at Connor's funeral service at the high school. It becomes a powerful message for all who hear it that we are not alone, that we do not have to face life alone, and that even when we are broken on the ground, we will be found. Now, as the video pointed out, each one of us has found ourselves at one time or another broken on the ground. We each have times where we have felt alone, lonely, or like no one really sees us. Many of us have been through medical crises, addiction, anxiety, broken relationships, and feeling like our lives have gone completely out of control. We've each felt lost and without hope, searching for answers, perhaps longing to be found. My personal faith journey is a story of longing to be found. I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee, in a pretty secular home. My younger sister and I enjoyed Easter baskets and the Easter buffet on Sunday mornings. We had a Christmas tree. We had all those traditions. God and faith and church, they were not really talked about in our house, but for me it was kind of a curiosity from time to time. But that all changed when I was 11 years old, and my mom decided that she wanted to explore the Judaism that was part of our family history. So she and I began attending a temple in Knoxville, Tennessee, where we quickly became part of the community there. And at age 15, I celebrated my bat mitzvah along with my mom. And I was confirmed in the Jewish faith a year later at 16. I loved being a part of the Jewish community. The rituals, the traditions, the music. It was the first time in my life that I felt connected to something bigger than myself. So fast forward to senior year of high school where I landed in a class called Bible History. Now, this was a, not a Christian school, it was a, a public school, but this class was focused more on the Bible as a story, as literature, as studying archaeology and geography of the parts of the Bible, and to explore different parts of Scripture. Now, as a Jewish teenager in the Bible Belt of Knoxville, Tennessee, I went into this class really skeptical about the Jesus that I would encounter. I had good reason to be skeptical, skeptical because the only Jesus that I really knew of was the judgmental Jesus who only cared about sending people to hell that didn't believe in him. I can't tell you how many times I had 
well-meaning friends say to me, well, aren't you Jewish? Well, you know that you're going to hell, right? Uh, oh, okay, I don't even believe in a hell because I'm Jewish, but okay. Uh, that does not sound like anything that I want to be a part of, that there would be a Jesus that would do that. So my defenses were up when I was going to learn more about the New Testament and this Jesus. But when I actually read the Gospels and the stories of Jesus, I finally met the real one, the real Jesus, the Jesus who welcomes, who accepts, who heals, and loves all people. The Jesus who challenges the authorities, who lays down his life for the cause and comes that we may have life and live it abundantly. The Jesus who is the shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep in order to find the one that is lost. And when it is found, he brings it home rejoicing. That is the Jesus that I met. I spent the next few years after meeting this Jesus, studying him, asking questions, attending a church, and wrestling with my faith. There were hard times. I would get really frustrated that I just didn't understand. I would get sad that accepting Jesus meant that I would have to give up my Jewish community and all that that had meant to me. I felt alone in my journey at times, and I wanted to give up. I was seeking answers, but not getting anything back. So I finally decided to go on a mission trip with the church I'd been attending. We were in Ensenada, Mexico, at an orphanage, helping the children have a vacation Bible school. One night, as the church group gathered around a fire to have devotions and to sing their songs of praise, I had this overwhelming sense of feeling lost. Here I was on this mission trip with this random church, and I had this overwhelming sense that I had no idea what I was doing. Everyone seemed so content in their faith and so confident. They could sing these songs of praise without much thought. And here I was, wanting to believe, but not quite sure where I belonged. I went to sleep that night in tears. I'd reached a point of wanting to give up on this whole faith thing, this whole God thing. But when I woke up the next morning, a friend on the trip told me that a group of people had prayed for me the night before. This was the first time in my life that someone actually prayed for me, at least that I knew of. They prayed for me to be at peace. They prayed that God's Spirit would wash over me. And then I realized that when I woke up that morning, that was exactly how I felt. It was in that moment that I was found. I didn't have all the answers, and I still don't, but I knew that everything was going to be okay and that God was with me. And well, the rest is history. I went to college to study religion, ended up being a youth leader at St. Luke's, where I met Brian, right, and began to feel a call to ministry. I opened up to my parents that I had accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I applied to seminary, and I stand before you today, year 14 or 15 in ordained ministry, which that goes by really fast. (laughs) 
I explained to my family that Jesus made God real to me. And it felt that Jesus had, in a sense, completed my circle of faith from Judaism to Christianity. Not that our faith journeys are ever complete, but I felt more complete when I considered what becoming a follower of Jesus means to me. And I get asked a lot, well, what did your parents say? What did they do? My dad was always more secular. My mom was the one I shared Judaism with. And I can tell you that she is the most educated Jewish person when it comes especially to United Methodist lingo, okay? If I tell her, Mom, I'm going to a PPR meeting, she knows exactly what that means. <laughs> My parents are very supportive of what I do. Looking back now, I can see that I was never really alone, of course. God was with me each step of the way, challenging me, pursuing me, gently guiding me to where I needed to be. The same is still true today. I remember a time when I was a new mom, and I was terrified of what that all meant. Every night as I tried to soothe a screaming baby, and I felt at my wit's end, I would close my eyes and I would have a vision of Jesus placing his hands on a young mother's shoulders as she stood over her baby's crib whispering, you can do this. You are doing a good job. You are not alone. This image got me through many, many sleepless nights when I felt that I couldn't carry on any longer. And so we think of this text from Romans this morning, and I'll share it with you. The scripture comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. Paul writes, in the celebrations of, oh sorry, Romans 8, 38, 39, for I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not death or life, nor angels or rulers, nor present things or future things, nor powers, nor height or depth or anything that is created can separate us from the love of God found in Christ Jesus. For I am convinced, Paul says, that nothing can separate us. In his letter to the Romans, Paul is laying out his theological argument about how God works in the lives of all people. He wrestles with themes of sin, righteousness, following the law, how the Spirit of God works, and how the grace of God ultimately abounds for all people. This text is such a beloved text because it points out the fact that nothing can separate us from God. Neither death, nor life, nor angel, angels, nor rulers, nor anything present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I get an Amen. Amen. We might add some things to this list today. How about this? For I am convinced that neither death, nor anxiety, nor addiction, nor broken relationships, nor mental illness, nor COVID-19, nor health crises, nor dark night of the soul, nor feeling helpless 
or worthless, nor feeling like a failed parent, nor feeling like you've disappointed someone, nor the worst mistake you've ever made will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. <laughs> and once we can accept this profound truth, it is up to us to remind others that we are not alone. We are called as followers of Jesus to walk alongside those who feel alone, to find those who are hurting and those who are lost and need to be found. Author Anne Lamott shares a time early in her faith journey as she was coming out of a period of addiction and depression. She had an experience with Jesus as a friend that changed her life. This occurred on a night that she almost overdosed from drugs and alcohol. As she sat broken on the ground in a dangerous state, she had a vision of Jesus sitting in a corner of the room. This Jesus offered a presence of comfort and healing for Anne, who found courage eventually to get up off the floor and begin a journey of healing. After that experience, she says, I decided to start slow. I found that if I said hello to God, she heard a hello back. Still unsure of herself and her newfound faith, this was her only interaction and her only prayer for a long time. She began small with a simple saying hello as if to a friend, and her faith continued to evolve from that small step. Today she's a strong advocate for faith and all who dare ask the hard questions. Her writings about her own struggles, her own dark nights of the soul, and her challenges with motherhood, addiction, recovery, and doubt speak to all of us who struggle with a variety of whatever life throws our way. As someone who had an experience of being lost and then found by God, she reminds each one of us that no matter our circumstances, we are found as well, no matter where we have been. Her story encourages each one of us to share ours, to share our stories, and be present for those who struggle right along with us. Now, one of my favorite Jewish traditions is called sitting shiva, sitting shiva. When a person dies, the family enters into a time of mourning. They open their house to anyone who wishes to come and sit with them as they grieve. Friends, relatives, and neighbors gather at the home at various times a day just to sit and to be with the family. They're not even required to bring casseroles or salads. They just come. <laughs> no fancy words or flowers either. Just the gift of presence. Sitting Shiva is a reminder that no one gets through a time of pain or grief alone. It is a reminder that people need other people. And just showing up and being present is a reminder of God's presence. We will each face times in our lives when we need someone to come and sit Shiva with us. And we will each face times when we will need to be the person to show up and sit Shiva with someone else. In doing this, we are examples of our ever-present God 
who does not let us walk alone. At the end of our musical, Dear Evan Hansen, we are left to wonder how each person in the story will continue to wrestle with life, death, mental health challenges, and all that comes with growing up. We are left to ponder how parents will grieve a lost child, how teenagers will find their way, and how relationships that have been broken will be repaired. But one thing is clear to each person, that no matter their role or their place on the journey, that they are not alone. Life is not perfect. It's not easy. And we will face twists and turns, ups and downs, dark nights of the soul, and times where we feel lost. Yet there will also be times when we are overflowing with joy. But either way, God is with us. And the good news is, is that no matter where we find ourselves, that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So may you carry this good news in your heart and be an example of it with the ways that you love and live. Amen.